Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Today's conversation is very special for me. For many years, Nancy Guthrie has served as a mentor and an influential teacher in my life. Her books and studies have equipped and helped me over the years as I have studied the Bible, and her ministry has greatly encouraged my walk with the Lord and grown my love for His Word. She calls the Bible a treasure to be mined, and I just really like that phrase, and her passion for it is contagious. She loves helping others see the hope and the help that Scripture provides. Nancy and her husband David have a son, Matt, who lives nearby them in Nashville, and they have two other children, a daughter, Hope, and a son, Gabriel, who were both born with a rare genetic disorder, and they each only lived about six months. Now, I knew that she had experienced grief from the ways that she had intertwined parts of her story into her books, but like so many situations in life, until we have walked down the same road as someone else, we can have a hard time relating to certain aspects of their story. And so it wasn't until Jackson died that I began to see Nancy as a new kind of a mentor and trusted teacher. She quickly became a friend and a companion to me in grief. I've been able to connect with her a number of times in person these last five and a half years, and our time together is always amazingly helpful and healing because in the midst of heartbreaking circumstances and having to bury two children, Nancy has continued to fight for joy by finding comfort and help in God's sovereign care and love. I can't wait to introduce her to you today. Nancy has written many books, Bible studies, and devotionals, and she speaks regularly at conferences, nationally and internationally, helping others to see the trustworthiness and the beauty of God's Word and the help that it can provide in this broken world. She's also a contributor to the Gospel Coalition, including hosting the Help Me Teach the Bible podcast. You can find all of her resources and books at nancyguthrie.com. Some are grief-related and some are not, but if you are looking for very practical and helpful books on grief, hers are always my most highly recommended. But she does have other books that are more focused on just understanding the Bible, I think particularly of her series of books on seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. She also has a children's book on prayer, DVD resources, and I recently have loved and learned so much from her book, Even Better Than Eden. It's a hopeful book about God's plan for the new creation to come. And I also want to highly recommend her book, Praying Through the Bible for Your Kids. Um, It's a one-year daily devotional with scripture and prayer, and it's just an amazing guide for any Christian parent, no matter how young or old your children are. But again, you can find all of her resources on her website, along with her speaking schedule and information about the respite retreats for grieving couples that Eric and I attended, uh, which Nancy and I will talk quite a bit about during our conversation. Well, although you can tell that she has a very busy professional life, Nancy really enjoys the ordinary aspects of being a wife, mother, friend, and faithful follower of Christ. Her willingness to sit down with me on a Saturday afternoon to record this podcast is evidence of that. She is a gracious friend who loves to have real, meaningful conversations. I wanted to keep Nancy as long as possible while I had her, so this recording got a little longer than normal, which I absolutely loved and was very happy about. Um, But instead of editing anything out, I just decided to break it up into two podcast episodes for you. So today you will hear part one and part two will be released next week. It was a real honor and privilege to record my conversation with Nancy, and I know you're going to be encouraged as you listen in. 
Well, hi, Nancy. Hello. I'm so thankful that you would be willing to do this with me. Oh, are you kidding? This is awesome. <laughs> Good. Well, as we begin, I just um, I want to take a few minutes just to thank you for being such a precious and a valued mentor and friend to me in grief. And you have a podcast, too, and I want to chat about that in a little bit. But I remember um, the introduction to your podcast episode with Bible teacher Kay Arthur. And um, you shared about a book that she, um, she'd written a book um, about God's sovereignty mm -hmm. that was crucial in God um, preparing you for what was ahead for you. And that mm -hmm. he used her teaching to pre-prepare you for what mm -hmm. you would experience in the coming years, um, especially in regards to grief. And that is the exact same way that I feel about you and your teaching and your books. Oh, wow. Um, That's cool, cool. Yeah, so I just... Um, yeah, God just used you in the years before Jackson died to pre-prepare not just me, but Eric too. And we hadn't met you, but um, I had gone through a number of your uh, studies and devotionals. And um, I don't know if I've shared this with you or not, but the summer before Jackson died, Eric and I decided to um, do a little study with some friends and neighbors, and they were believers and non-believers. And we read and talked through the book that you put together and edited called Be Still My Soul. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I have no earthly idea why we would have chosen that book um, to wrestle through that summer with this particular group of friends, especially. But um, for those of you who have not heard of that book, it's a collection of essays that um, a number of Bible teachers and theologians have written and Nancy put together um, just exploring God's word in regards to suffering, right? I yes. mean, and, and especially God's sovereignty God's and suffering. sovereignty and mm -hmm. suffering. And so as I look back on the summer before we would lose Jackson, um, I just see God kindly pre-preparing us through wow. your work on that book um, and just helping to teach us ahead of time what it might mean to trust him and run towards him in the midst of what we didn't know was coming and the most um, heartbreaking circumstances that we would walk through. And so um, I just wanted to share that because I loved when you were sharing that with Kay. I was just on the other end of the podcast going, me too, me too. That's how I feel about Nancy. And wow. um, and I, I think I've shared this story too, but the day after Jackson died then, I remember going into Eric's bookshelf and pulling out, holding on to hope. Um, and I had done that study a while back, but somehow I remembered that you had buried two of your children and Throughout that first week of grief, um, Eric and I sat out on our back deck and we just read various mm. parts aloud and just devouring wow. every word and looking at the book of Job, as you know, with just totally new eyes. The whole mm. Bible is just, you read it so differently. And then well, I just, yeah. I remember after Hope died, I mean, I didn't want to read any books that weren't written by people who exactly. hadn't Exactly. <laughs> I just thought, you know, I just felt at that time, like, these are the only people I can trust to talk straight to me about this. Yeah. I don't, I don't want some line by somebody who hasn't been there. So that's exactly it's a how... thing to me to feel like um, I can provide that kind of companionship through the pages of a book to someone else yeah uh, yeah page after page we just kept finding ourselves saying me too me too and just feeling less alone and David's comment about thinking that grief would hurt less as a believer I mean I just remember that jumping off the page because you know we had never felt this kind of pain before and we loved the Lord so much yeah <laughs> so yeah. it was a very confusing you know time and just to have you intertwine your story in that precious book um 
I don't know. It was just such a comfort to us during that time. So um, thank you for your work um, on your books and for the ways that God used you to pre-prepare me. Um, even though I hung on on every word that you wrote, you really did point me to the word and to the truth. And that really is the only sure hope and refuge. And so I found comfort in your story and in you walking ahead of me. But ultimately, um, in in falling more in love with the beauty of Christ and trusting God's care for me in the midst of of my hurt. So thank you. Ooh, praise God. And so I would love for you to start um, by just introducing yourself a little bit. I'm sure a lot of my um, listeners will already be somewhat familiar with you, but um, would you just spend a few minutes? I don't care what you want to share, but just telling a little bit about <laughs> yourself. Well, uh, I live in Nashville with my husband, David. Um, our 28-year-old son, Matt, lives near us, not with us, uh, but he works for my husband, so he comes here to work every day, which is just really cool. That's so special. Uh, yeah, I feel, honestly, I just pinch myself so often that, you know, not only do I get to do what I love working at home, but my husband works here at home, and then our son comes over every day, and mm. We have lunch, the three of us, and pray together at lunch. And uh, that's, that's so special. That's, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty spoiled in that regard. Um, most of my time, let's see, it's a Saturday. I'm sitting here at my desk. I just uh, turned in a manuscript this week for a book that will come out, you know, a little over a year from now. Oh, good. But I'm working on the Bible study for it uh, so that people can work their way in the text of that book. Uh, the the texts that I cover in the chapters and be prepared mm -hmm. to get a little bit more out of it. So mm -hmm. that's a typical day for me, even here on a weekend, I suppose. Um, although a lot of my weekends, I am gone somewhere uh, teaching the Bible at a church or conference, which is really a joy to me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Good. Well, even as believers, um, you know, sometimes rejoicing can be a little bit of a fight in darker seasons. And so um, I named this podcast Fighting for Joy because it just felt really appropriate for me um, because it can be rejoicing can be a fight when hard things, especially mm -hmm. something as painful and final as death um, comes into our life. And you and I have both um, experienced that. And so, um, yeah, would you just share a little bit about some of the loss that you and David experienced um, with Hope and Gabe and mm -hmm. um, maybe how um, how that has affected your joy, did affect your joy then maybe, or how it affects your fight for joy even today, if it does? Yeah. So David and I have our son, Matt, who is now 28. When Matt was eight, I gave birth to a daughter named Hope. Mm -hmm. And Hope was born with a rare metabolic disorder called Zellweger syndrome, something we had never heard of. Mm -hmm. And we found that on her second day of life, we were fortunate that there was a geneticist in Nashville who had seen a child with this syndrome be before, because it's very rare. And so he told us on her second day that her life was gonna be really short and really difficult, that we should expect to have her around six months. Hmm. And Jody, that was just mm -hmm. devastating. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I was just so looking forward to having a daughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would, um, you know, grow mm -hmm. up with us and be my friend in my mm -hmm. old age. <laughs> mm -hmm. And 
So I suppose grief began on that day in many ways as I began to let go of Mm -hmm. the dreams I had for her. Um, But of course, there's the reality of, but she is with us now. And so I remember just trying so hard during her life to not allow myself to get and stay so sad that it would cause me to miss her life. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I just thought, you know, if I allow myself to get so sad that I miss her life, I, I will regret that the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, her life with us during the 199 days we had her was very full. Mm-hmm. It was a great joy that she wasn't hospitalized all the time. And we, we took her everywhere and mm-hmm. put her in the arms of as many people as we could. Because I think the other thing was... I didn't want to be the only one who had known her Yeah, yeah. once she was gone. I didn't want to be the only person who had loved her mm-hmm, and known her. Mm-hmm. So I feel really grateful for yeah. those days and that time that we got to share her with so many people. But, you know, then came the night when she mm-hmm. took her last breath and David found her in her crib and she was cold mm-hmm. to the Dutch. And we took her body and handed it over to a mortician and drove home. Hmm. Hmm. And then it was just like, wow, hmm. what now? I just, at that point in my life, I just thought my life will never be good again. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a, a sorrow swept over and into our lives that was just so heavy. Um, yeah. I, I remember the day after Hope's funeral. I mean, you know, that, that funeral time, that's not so hard because all those people swoop in. I and agree. You have, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. So much love and sweetness to mm-hmm. have people show up in your lives. And want to share that sorrow uh but it was the day after that really got me you know it was yeah. so quiet mm-hmm. at our house and such a void yeah all those plants and flowers people had given oh, us yeah beginning to wilt and yeah. die yeah. and yeah to me that was just such a vivid picture mm-hmm. of what's beginning to happen to her body me too and yeah. that was painful mm-hmm. and I, I just remember saying to david well I think I understand for the first time in my life why people take drugs. Yeah. I, I had never understood it before, but I thought I've, I've never felt a pain before that I was willing to do almost anything to not have to feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that day I just went to bed. And there were a lot of days I think I tried to just sleep and escape it. And there were a lot of things I did, you know, in a, in a desire to not have to feel it. But ultimately I realized I just have to feel it. Yeah. But besides just feeling it, I, 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 I realized I can't let this voice of my emotions have the final word, hmm. you know, because in the midst of grief, we, we have a lot of strong thoughts and feelings we, we we tell ourselves this voice inside us it does say things like you're never gonna be happy yeah, again right right you're you're never gonna throw your head back and laugh again mm-hmm. uh, 
Mm-hmm. Your relationship with your husband is changed forever. Mm-hmm. Your relationships with people around you are always now going to be weird and right. tainted by this. Right. And there's always going to be this huge gaping emptiness. And so I just discovered, okay, I, I have to constantly confront those statements, those voices, those thoughts and feelings with what's really true. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, I just was like, okay, so where is the source of truth to talk back to these things? And to me, it was God's word. And I just dove into the Bible in a different way than before. I mean, I'd been pretty serious about Bible studies and BSF for seven or eight years leading up to this. So I'd really been in God's word, but it it, it was a little different after this because, you know, even as both you and I talked about studying about the sovereignty of God and feeling grateful that we did right before our experience of loss, it's just different when you're doing it. And it's, it, because it's not a theological discussion anymore. It's yeah. it's just real life. It's like I got to know this. Mm-hmm. I've I've got to understand God. Where were you in this? Who were you in this? And what can I what can I expect from you now? And so it was in God's word that I sought for and genuinely found answers. Mm-hmm. And and, and uh, substance and solidity to build, even, you know, I'd say rebuild and to kind of fight for joy, to mm-hmm. believe, okay, God is a healer. Um, and I believe he's going to heal me. Uh, he's going to heal all some of the broken places inside my heart and my life. Now, honestly, I don't think those things get completely perfectly healed so that you just don't even know they were there in this life. Right. I've experienced a lot of healing. Of course, it's been a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Hope would be 20. Right. Right. And so it's, it, it's been a long time. And so there's been so much healing, but there is a sense in which there's a bit of a broken place in me that I don't expect is, you know, completely gone, completely mm-hmm. is unnoticeable until that, ultimate and final healing that is to come. You know, we we read in Revelation 22 about the tree of life that's going to be in the new heavens and the new earth, this new garden-like city. And it says the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I just think, okay, those healing leaves, they're touching my life now, Mm -hmm. but the day is coming when that healing is going to be so complete, so permanent, so pervasive. Yeah. That to me is a beautiful picture of hope for it's that. It's beautiful. Day. It's such a both and, you know, like I like to yeah. say that it is, it is healing now and it's ultimate healing yes, to come. Both. It is yes. comfort now, but the ultimate comfort to come. And that, that's very helpful. I think, um, you know, because like you said, when, when you, when it first, when you were first entering into grief, you just think, how am I going to be able to handle this pain for the rest of my life? And, exactly. and you won't. But at the same time, you don't want to let go of it either. I remember thinking, <laughs> I remember somebody saying, well, it'll be a really hard first year. And I thought, first year? Well, first of all, I don't want to feel like this for a whole year. But second of all, I, I don't want to be done with this in a year either. I don't want to, 
I don't want people to forget about him. I don't want to be done being sad. I mean, it's just so conflicting. And so to have somebody who has um, walked the road ahead ahead of you who can say, listen, I have experienced some really tender healing from the Lord. I have seen that his promises hold true. I have seen in my darkest days that I can find comfort in God's word. And... I still long and hope with my whole heart for what is to come because it's not going to be complete here. Yeah. That's very helpful, Nancy. Thank you. Yeah. So you walked through that with your daughter, Hope, and then what, yeah. what happened next with, with Gabe? Well, to have a child with that syndrome meant that both David and I are carriers of the recessive gene trait for that syndrome. So it's funny. I was just I just found something today. I found this letter that... David wrote home to his parents when we just first started dating and he was telling them how much we shared and had in common. (laughs) And it's kind of funny, kind of not funny in that we didn't really know how much we had in common, you know, this, Mm -hmm. including this recessive gene trait. And so that meant that whenever we have a child, that child would have a 25% chance of having that fatal syndrome. And so that meant that David and I had a really difficult decision to make about whether or not we would have more children. Um, you know, we, we loved and enjoyed hope. And so, while it might sound strange to some people, our first instinct was not, no, we must rule that out. We could never do that again because she brought us a lot of joy yeah. and a lot of meaning and a lot of richness to our lives. Yeah. But the reality, you know, but our lives weren't just us. I mean, there was our son, Matt, and, you know, he'd spent six months living in a house waiting for his sibling to die mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being the object of everybody looking at him and saying, oh, how are you doing? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we're, there was our parents and David's parents. And, I mean, the life and death of hope had just been devastating to both of them. And so we decided to stay, we decided to take surgical steps to prevent another pregnancy and evidently it didn't work. Hmm. Yeah. And so I discovered about a year and a half after Hope died that I was pregnant, which hmm. it's hard to put into words, the panic yeah. Yeah. that I felt when that happened. Uh, so you know, I, called, I called the geneticist who had diagnosed hoping. He had said to us, now, back when we had hope, don't take any permanent birth control steps because we can test very early. And of course he was saying, we'll test early and then you can uh, terminate that pregnancy, you know? And, and so Mm -hmm. I called him and it, and it wasn't because we wanted to look at that possibility. We just felt like we've got to know which way this is headed. Be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Especially before we share the news, even that I'm pregnant with our son and with our parents. And Mm so I went through prenatal testing and had to wait a long time to do that and wait a long time for the results. And so finally, when I was about 15 weeks pregnant, we got the results and found out that we were going to have a son, Gabriel, and that he would also have the fatal syndrome. Hmm. So that meant that we went through that pregnancy knowing that we were going to have a child who was going to live just a short time. And honestly, Jody, that was just weird and mm-hmm. awkward mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People didn't know what to make of that. And, you know, I'd be somewhere and 
you know, there I was really pregnant and I'd run into somebody who knew we'd had a child who died and they'd just be, Oh, this is so exciting. I'm so right. 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 And, and I, I was happy, Mm -hmm. but I just had to decide in all those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what am I going to say? You know? And so to come to the point in the conversation to say, this child is going to die too. Mm -hmm. Was hard and awkward a lot. But, uh, you know, it was also pretty sweet. I mean, Mm -hmm. one thing about Hope and Gabe was that they they opened up a lot of significant conversations for us with people. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just, they pushed us beyond the surface into important things Mm -hmm. like life and death and what makes a life valuable Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. what's the purpose of prayer and what, what do we have a right to expect from God? What has he promised us? And, what can we expect from him when we're going through hardships of life? And so that part of our experience with Hope and then Gabriel, who was born and was with us, uh, much like Hope, about six months and then died. Um, that part of our experience with them was was a sweet blessing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're so right about the important things, right? I mean, so much of our life and our time with others can be tied up in things that really don't matter. And um, sometimes... I mean, these... honestly, since then, I, I just could barely stand small talk. <laughs> Me too. Me and too. And I find most people going through grief, that's that's one thing they would want, they want people to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one reason that social situations are so hard yeah. when we're grieving is that social situations demand small talk and to stand around and talk about stuff that doesn't really matter when you've got this big thing that matters so very much. It's it's just agonizing. I know. I I had to really fight not to pull away from everybody who um, was not ready to go to that place with me. I mean, it takes courage to go there. And that's what I had to finally understand was that it wasn't that some people really cared about, you know, my grief and our family and some people didn't. It's just that, boy, God had just, um, God had certain people who were ready to go yes. there and yes. um, and had the courage to just step up and go there with us. And yes. the other people, uh, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. And honestly, I've, I've thought about it more later these last five and a half years too. I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Everybody would have been able to go quickly mm. into these deep, really yeah. meaningful conversations anyway. So in a way, it's a little bit of a protection too. But um, but the people that did step up and were willing to go right away to, like you said, prayer and heaven and death and, and life and just these, it just, that, that was what was so helpful to me yeah. um, initially and the friendships that have been so encouraging for me in grief. So, well, I just want to say how sorry I am for you and David and um, just the grief of watching these precious babies have to endure their difficulties and then to have to say goodbye to them for now and for all that Matthew had to, Matt had to go through too as the sibling. I know it's hard to have a home that has been touched by death and mm-hmm. for kids to watch grieving parents and like you said, all the people in and out of the home, it's just, it's a lot. It's so hard and death is so hard and 
Um, it's easy to kind of just jump to where you are now and how you're helping people and how God has used it. But I'm just thank you for taking the time to just walk us through um, through that, Nancy, because that is well, really um, helpful and also um, just yeah, vulnerable and real. So thank well, you. But you know, honestly, you, you know, you're thanking me for for sharing it. I feel spoiled in that I just you know I interact with so many. Doesn't it feel people good? Yeah, yeah. And but I realize how many people don't get invited mm-hmm. to talk about their child or children the way I have because I've written about it and the other things I've done. And so I feel a bit spoiled actually that I have gotten to process it so much out loud Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to just, just to talk about them that they are still very real there just to get to say their names Mm -hmm. so much over now 20 years is incredible gift to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember Eric at one point, maybe we were a year in or two years in and he said, Jody, I feel like I'm running out of time to talk about Jackson. I feel like people are, mm. you know, it just that feeling of, um, oh, no, I don't know if we're going to be able to continue to have the yep. opportunity to share. And you're right. The invitations, whether you're out for lunch or whatever you're doing to to enter into these um, conversations become fewer and fewer. And so. I, I get it. It's a gift when you're able to um, to sit and reflect and share and cry and remember and um, and all the things. So, mm-hmm. well, after um, after I pulled the Holding On to Hope book um, off that first week when we were in grief, I went to your website because um, we wanted more resources on grief. And that's where we saw the application for an upcoming respite retreat um, for grieving parents. And that's actually how you and I were able to meet. And I think it was about seven months after Jackson died. Eric and I flew to Nashville and we spent the weekend um, there with you and David and 10 other couples. And um, I would love to just talk a little bit about how those retreats got started. Um, I mean, what just kind of what made you guys think, let's get together with a whole bunch of other grieving Seems parents. Seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> right, because I just, you know, I was very eager to go, kind of like what you said about reading books that were written by other people who had really experienced deep pain. That's that's where I was at too. And so for me to think about a weekend with people who got it, I couldn't think of anything better. Whereas Eric thought, this is going to be like be poking terrible. my eyes out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He yes. just couldn't believe I wanted to do this. But Um, We have learned that what helps one of us ultimately helps the other one. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so thankfully, he was willing to go. But I would just love to hear a little bit about how they got started. And maybe if you could just walk through what a typical weekend looks like. Well, we (laughs) in in 2009, um, this couple came through town. She had read the one year book of hope and been helped by it after the death of their child. And she and her husband were together. She said, I just really would like for me and my husband to have dinner with you and your husband. And we met them and David and I were driving home from dinner and we were just talking about how, you know, I had a lot of conversations with moms, but there was something different couple to couple mm, mm-hmm. and that it, that it was a help for a couple yeah. working through grief to talk with another couple and I just said to David, I wonder if we could start a retreat just for couples who've lost children. And the only thing that gave me the idea then that, yeah, we could do this was that we had been out to this facility where we host our retreats called The Hiding Place that's 
uh, owned by a Christian ministry here in Nashville. It's a 12-bedroom lodge. And because we'd been out there a couple times with that ministry, um, we were like, oh, mm-hmm. we could do it at the hiding place. And that there was a place we could do it just like made it immediately possible. And um, honestly, I had pretty much the schedule of what we would do figured out by the time we got home. Hmm. And hmm. I went right up to my desk. I wrote it out. I wrote out copy for a brochure that we could send out to people. The next few days, we found out, could we get the hiding place? And I ran the idea, passed a few people we trust for their input. And then I just sent an email out to people who had written me over the previous two years Hmm. uh, who had read any of my books who had lost a child. And then also... Uh, the Grief Share Ministry put it on an email that they send out to Grief Share leaders around the country. And in two weeks, the first one filled up. Wow. And so then we Sad, just... Sad, but, but very special. We, yeah, too. but yeah. shocking to us, like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And then, so we set another one for the next month. And that one filled up quickly. And so, you know, we didn't have any big grand plan. Um, we just thought, well, let's give it a try. And so... And, and, and people ask us all the time, you know, if we change what we do. And honestly, there's hard the, the bait, there's hardly anything that we do different than we did that first time hmm. in terms of just the basic schedule and flow of what happens. Um, yeah. You know, we, we we get there, we have dinner together, and then everyone basically goes around and shares about their child and what that loss has been like for them, how it's impacted them. Mm-hmm. It's got a kind of the necessary foundation right. to get anywhere. Um, we, we, and we pray for each other. Um, there's something pretty sweet about that. Somebody else who knows your, what that loss is like to pray for you. Mm-hmm. And we, we have a conversation about, how men and women grieve differently and how grief specifically impacts a marriage. Uh, we take a walk or we play some games and that helps those people like Eric who think this is going <laughs> to kill me. You know, got another right. way to interact and it just helps us get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Then we have a session where we just, we just talk about a lot of the unique issues that, that most grieving parents face and, uh, you know, during that session, we usually end up talking about what am I going to do on birthdays and death days mm-hmm. and holidays? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with my child's room and their belongings? Uh, how do I deal with people who've really disappointed me in the way they've interacted about it, or maybe even my extended family? Um, so just a lot of those practical things about working our way through grief. We give couples some time to just talk through with each other uh, what they appreciate and admire about how their spouse has dealt with grief and what they want to ask from them. Uh, that night, we, we have some fun. I mean, it was pretty amazing. Mm. You know, when people walk in the door for this retreat, I mean, a lot of times people are weeping as they walk through the door, or there's yeah. a lot of anxiety as people walk through the door. And sometimes we've been met with a husband or wife who says, I'm here for him. I'm here for her. I don't really want to be here. <laughs> right. And like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and every, it's, it's strange and awkward, and it's so amazing how yeah. just 24 hours later, we're, sit, we're laughing, mm-hmm. and people are like, what, laughing, this group laughing? But, you know, once you've gotten it all out on the table and, you know, you're not walking on eggshells around people who don't get it, it there's, 
there's a freedom to laugh. And I remember that very first retreat, one girl saying at the very end, she just came up to me. She said, I don't think I've laughed out loud since my son died. Right, right. I think that was true for a number of us that were there that weekend too. Yeah. So that's that in itself, I think, says to us as couples, you know what? It's possible that we could have joy again. Yeah. At at a time when you're thinking we never will. Um, Yeah. So, and then on Sunday, we open up God's word together and uh, listen uh, for what his word has to say and speak into these hard places and worship the Lord Mm -hmm. together. And Mm -hmm. somehow I think that the the worship that happens there, because it's his costly worship, it's it's saying, God, I trust you, even though I don't understand this, Mm -hmm. um, that that's especially sweet to God. And yeah. Then we say goodbye, and people don't want to leave by that point. A lot of them didn't want to come, then don't want to leave. And that's an amazing thing. And David and I get in the car after we pack up all of our stuff, which is the hardest part of the weekend for us. And mm-hmm. we just look at each other. We're like, wow, we did it again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we came to love another group of people. And seems like we saw the Holy Spirit work in them and propel them forward a little bit. Not everything got fixed. That's not our yeah, goal. Yeah. But we, we want to propel people forward a little bit in experiencing some healing and begin to believe that the sun could come out again in their lives right. and in their marriage. So we just had our 34th retreat. Wow. So we've now spent the weekend with over 700 grieving parents. Wow, Nancy. And yeah, so it's two what's now it's 2019. So we've been doing it 10 years. Wow. And did you even do an international one? Did I did I remember? Uh, we did one in the UK and we did done one in Australia. Uh-huh. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you. You do love people well on those retreats, Nancy. And that's it's a design. safe place and that's, you know, with the laughter and the worship and some of these things um that we can do together after having told our stories and cried together it's um it's safe it's tender it's freeing it's hopeful um i mean that was one of the most helpful things for eric and me during that first uh year of grief and uh we've had a couple of friends go on retreats after we have um because of our recommendation because it was so so helpful and Mm. um you know, the prayer was so rich and the sharing time was so rich. And some of the connections that I made with a couple of the women have been um, just a treasure for me um, these last few years. So thank you for doing that. And um, it might be a good time too to just plug your your book um, that I'm wondering if it kind of stemmed out of these retreats, which is the book, What Grieving People Wish You Knew About What Really Helps and What Really Hurts. Um, I know you've you spent many hours with grieving people, like you just said, mm-hmm. all of those people that have been at the retreats, and then you've been at conferences, and people I know have emailed you. And um, but it's just it's such a wonderful resource for anybody who wants to know how to help when um, when somebody yeah. is is hurting. Yeah, you know that really grew out of places I go, and I op- you know and maybe tell our story, and I open it up for Q and A, and and that question is always there. It's just always, mm-hmm. what do I say? What do I do? How do I keep from being that person who said or did the wrong thing? And, you know, then I remember being at a particular event in Australia and somebody asked that question and then their hand went up again and they said, well, is this in any of your books anywhere? (laughs) And I was like, no. And so that just prompted me to say, okay, maybe 
maybe I should write some of this down for some people. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's what I do. So did the book that you wrote, Hearing Jesus Speak Into Your Sorrow, was that written before or after you started before. your retreats? Okay, because yeah, you really yeah. do follow along with some of uh, yes. some of that um, book as well, yes. which has been a great resource for us since the retreat um, to go back and remember some of the things we talked about there oh, too. But yeah. what, what would you say is your hope for each couple as they leave the retreat? Mm. Well, we want them to believe that God is going to do a work of healing in their lives and mm-hmm. that they, they can be, they can face the future expecting to love each other and mm-hmm. love their surviving children. Well, mm-hmm. um, we really, that's something we really push because it's, uh, it can be so easy to be so obsessed with our sadness over the one who is not there yeah. that we neglect the ones who are, and that's such a tyranny, I think, to a grieving parent. But mm-hmm. we, yeah, we want to we want to turn uh, the heads and hearts of the couples toward each other, toward their surviving children, and to help them look up mm-hmm. and say, "Okay, uh, our lives are not over. Yeah. Our lives are not over. That yeah. we can have joy again." Thank you so much for listening today. I would love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening by finding my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also reach me at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me these past few years in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you.